of the powerful work of God within um, each of their lives. If you have your Bibles, turn with me tonight to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And before we receive um, the elements of the Lord's table tonight, I want to bring to us a message from um, this incredible book of the Bible, one of my favorites, um, the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, not going through the whole chapter, but through a portion of it. And I want to speak to us tonight about wisdom for tough times, wisdom for tough times. And I trust as we are about to step into a new year that this evening's message would just be very practical for us as we seek to live our lives the way God would have us to live them um, as we move forward into this coming year. And so will you pray with me? And as we pray, I want us to pray for quite a number of our families have have been experiencing um, outbreaks of COVID within their homes and so forth. And so some are not here with us tonight because of that, some online because of that. And so, um, so we just want to pray God's protection and health and healing over our families tonight. Can we do that, church? Amen? Amen. So, Father, we do thank you that you are a God who's with us in and through all things. And, Lord, that you are more than able to minister to your people, even during times such as we're experiencing right now. And praying for healing for those who are sick in body right now, that you would restore them to full health. Um, God, I even think of Barbara Dale Camp in the hospital tonight, um, not COVID-related, but, but facing physical difficulties right now. Praying for a healing touch in her body tonight. Praying for others at home tonight um, that need your touch. And praying your covering over our congregation, just protection, God. And not, not, not only for us, but for those all around us and across our nation, God. We pray that you would step in, that you would work miracle after miracle, that we'd be able to tell of the wondrous things you have done in and through our lives. And so we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Bless your word to us tonight. Again, it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so tonight we're talking about wisdom for tough times. Um, by the way, if you didn't know who the bass player was, that's our son Jonathan. He's here with us. And our grandson, Jesse, was able to come up and be with us. And, of course, um, Jonathan's wife, Danielle, they're back at home tonight. Um, she's expecting our second grandchild. So we're excited for that, but not feeling that well this evening as well. So, um but wisdom for tough times. And, uh, you know, we all thought that 2020 was a tough year, right? And that, you know, many were saying, oh, it can't get more difficult than this. And then we stepped into 2021, right? And, um, and we found it to be maybe in some ways tougher. Uh, uh, my doctor, one of my doctors that I went to recently, he said to me, 2021 was the most difficult year of his life, both personally and for his practice. And he said, I never expected it. He thought when 2020 was over, it was all going to be better. 2021 was more difficult. A pastor said to me recently that they never faced the kinds of challenges through all the years of ministry that they faced back in 2021. And I can think of my own challenges this past year. COVID back in March, five weeks after having had back surgery, some other difficult news regarding my health, and then leading the church through all these changing circumstances. It was a tough year. How many of you would say, yeah, 2021 was a tough year? Come on, if, you, if you're not saying yes, you're not telling the truth tonight, right? 
And we all know that we're living in very difficult times, whether we look at the political landscape, the religious landscape, the economic or moral landscape, we can't help but, but take note of how difficult things can be at times. And as we look towards this new year, we're not quite sure that 2022 is going to get any easier. And some of us are thinking maybe it is going to get a little tougher. Well, here's the thing. Throughout the history of humanity, mankind has always had periods of time that have been hard. Hard on a national level, on a corporate level, hard on a personal level. And thus, whether it's been a downturn in the economy, a time of war, a pandemic, maybe the loss of a child or a spouse, but whatever it may be, we as human beings have always known what it means to face the difficulties that life can bring our way. It's just the way life is. After all, we are living in a world that has been impacted on every level by sin and thus by sickness and strife and conflict that sin can bring. And it's during the hard times of life that we're often most challenged and faced with life's hardest decisions. How will we respond? What should we do next? What ought we do next? What should we think? Should I or shouldn't I? And the questions go on and on. It's during the difficult times of life that we need wisdom. Amen? We need wisdom, not just human wisdom, but wisdom from on high, God's wisdom. And I just love James' words. Just listen for a moment. Many of you know it from James chapter 1, verse 5, where James says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. That is, when we find ourselves in need of wisdom, in need of the ability to discern what's taking place around us, like what really is happening, and the ability to make good decisions in the midst of it all, we need to first of all go to God to ask of him. And James says he will generously pour into our lives his wisdom, godly wisdom. And I tend to think that too often we fail to do just that. Instead, we react and we form our opinions much too quickly when we ought to be going to God and saying, God, we give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. Well, as I look at the book of Ecclesiastes, and especially here tonight, chapter 7, I find some principles for living a wise and godly life, even in the midst of tough times. And we know that by the time Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, he had been through the good times and the difficulties of life. And he gives to us some principles for living our lives wisely, principles to be applied when we find ourselves going through the tough times of life, maybe the difficulties caused by a nation gone astray, by a pandemic, an economy that's taken a downturn, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a dream. These are God's principles for those who find themselves in the midst of tough times. And for sure, we need this kind of wisdom as we step into this new year. And so look with me here at Ecclesiastes chapter 7. He begins in verse number 1. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. And the book of Ecclesiastes tells us here, listen, when you're going through difficult times, remember the importance of a good name. Remember the importance of a good name, that is, of a good reputation. Proverbs 22, verse 1 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. The writer compares a good name to fine perfume, saying a good name is so much better. 
The Apostle Paul says that when we consider people for leadership, he says that he must have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. And how many of us know it's so unfortunate that today so many people, especially those in leadership, they end up kind of throwing away their good name, throwing away their reputation. They get to a certain level of fame and fortune and somehow begin to think that they're above it all and that the choices they make have little effect on who they are and in the end they destroy their name. But, you know, one need not be rich or famous to neglect one's reputation and to harm one's name. When we find ourselves in difficult times, any of us, if we're not careful, can end up making choices by which we compromise our name. For when we react too quickly, we put our name on the, on the line. If we're not careful, we make decisions that can ruin our reputation for a lifetime. In fact, verse 1 points out that everyone enters life with a good name. But how many, it's asking, indirectly asking, how many of us will end our life with a good name? How many of us will end our life? For if you do, if you end your life with a good name, the writer says, your day of death is actually better than your day of birth. And so when we find ourselves in difficult times, that's not the time to take shortcuts. In verse 7, he talks about those who will take bribes and so forth. It's not a time to excuse ourselves for some extra pleasures. But it's time to be careful that, that you don't do anything that will put a black mark on your good name. It's a time to remember that there's nothing more valuable to you than your good name. Something that once it's tainted is very hard to regain. And so remember, remember the importance of a good name. But secondly, secondly, the writer would say to us, and don't negate the importance of suffering. Don't negate the importance of, suf of suffering. Look with me at verses 2 through 6. He says, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. How do you like that, right? For by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fools. This also is vanity. Don't negate the importance of suffering. And how many of us know we'd all rather go to the party than to the funeral home, right? Come on, right? We'd rather go to the party than the funeral home. We'd, all, we, we, we'd rather hang out with people that stroke us than people who rebuke us. We'd, we'd much rather be laughing than crying. And yet the Bible says here, it shows us that in the midst of the funeral, the sorrow, the rebuke, is where we often learn the lessons that God needs us to learn. And I think tonight of men like Abraham, Moses, Elijah, David, Peter, and Paul, the great men of Scripture, each one of them had their share of mountaintop experiences, but each one also had their desert places, their times of great suffering. And most often it was in those desert places where God showed up, speaking to them as he could not have spoken to them elsewhere, through a ram caught in the thicket, through a burning bush, through a still small voice, through a prophet, a dream, a jail cell. It's no wonder the apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. 
See, Paul had learned that God was often best able to speak to him and use him during the times of difficulty and weakness. So let's be careful not to downplay or negate the sufferings and the difficulties of life, for it's most often in those tough times that God is best able to speak to us, grow us, and use us. And so sometimes when we're going through these hard times, we need to step back and say, God, what is it you want to speak into my life through all the things that are happening? The third principle is this. Realize how you finish is more important than how you begin. Verse number eight, he writes, for better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Realize how you finish is more important than how you begin. You see, for the most part, it's easy to start well, is it not? I mean, when a marathon begins, everyone looks great. Everyone's filled with excitement and energy. Everyone looks like they're going to finish. Everyone looks like they could be the winner, right? But once you get halfway through the race, for some maybe even a little less, you find people dropping out, people slowing their pace. Some are filled with pain to the point that they just can no longer go on. You see, life is much like a marathon, maybe a marathon that's filled with all kinds of obstacles, mud and potholes. Recently, I was looking online. I'm looking at the, the Spartan race, right, or those mud, mud runner races, right? You know what I'm talking about? And they're running 5K or 10K or more, and they're running through all these obstacles, through the mud and through tires and under wires and over, over all kinds of things. And sometimes that's the way life can feel, right? But it's during the hard times of life. It can feel like the obstacles have gotten bigger and the potholes deeper, and we need to be careful that we're not tripped up. See, the writer of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. One person asked this question one time, What will be said about you at your funeral? Or better yet, will those left behind have to lie at your funeral? I've done a lot of funerals through the years. And I can tell you, there's a lot of lying that goes on at funerals, right? right? Because the person, well, they really didn't finish all that well. They didn't live all that well. And How will we finish? How will you finish your race of faith? How will you finish your race of marriage? your race of ministry, whatever race God has called you to run. But ultimately, it's not just about starting well, but about finishing and finishing well. And during the hard times of life, we need to especially be on guard lest we get tripped up along the way, lest we end up as dropouts, lest we end up making the wrong decisions. Let's remember, it's not just about starting, but it's about finishing. How will we finish? Number four tonight, verse nine says this. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. In other words, be careful how you manage your anger. And how many of us know when life becomes tough, we can become pretty angry? Anybody feeling angry this past year about anything? Right? We become pretty angry. Angry at, angry at family. Angry at the boss. Angry at the coworkers. Angry at the person who cut you off on the highway. Angry at the world, angry at the politician, angry at God. Right? In fact, we all know the news agencies, they love to build two emotions in us. The first is fear, and the second is anger. Right? They want to get us angry. 
And when we're angry, we do things and say things that we will most likely regret later on. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 4, 4, in your anger, do not sin. When you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Psalm 37, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. Proverbs 29, 8, mockers stir up a city, but wise men turn away anger. Can I tell us tonight, if we're following people who are stirring up the city, we're following the wrong people. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Ephesians 4, Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. And James says in James 1, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. You see, anger leads to bad decisions. It causes us to break relationships. It causes us to act irrationally. Most of all, anger gives the devil a foothold in our lives. Where we end up allowing our anger to turn to bitterness and even to hatred. And anger will hinder our relationship with God. So listen, church, when we're going through tough times, we need to keep our attitudes in check, do we not? Lest we would allow ourselves to fall into anger. And number five, verse 10 says this, say not, why were these, why were the former thing, former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. In other words, when, when life gets tough, don't start to live in the past. When life gets tough, you see, it's our tendency to look backwards and to romanticize the past. We end up talking about the good old days, right? How many of us know the good old days aren't, weren't always all that good? They're old, maybe, but not all that good, right? We end up talking about, about the past in a very unrealistic way. But listen, every period in life has its own set of challenges. That's why Ecclesiastes 3, the writer says, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven. And in and through everything we face, God has his purposes, God has his timing, and God is at work. And to concentrate on the past is to hinder ourselves from doing what God might be calling us to do today. Yesterday is gone. The future is not yet ours. It may never come. What we have is today. We have the present. The present. The Bible speaks to us about making the most of every opportunity. Where is that opportunity? It's here today. And so we prepare ourselves for the future, yes, but we do what we need to do today. And so when you find yourself in the hard times of life, don't spend your, your time looking back and thinking back to how good life used to be, but instead trust God for the present. Do what he's called you to do today. Ask him to help you navigate what you find yourself facing today. Give yourself to living the way God would have you to live in the now. In verses 11 and 12, says this wisdom is good with an inheritance an advantage to those who see the sun for the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it and just over at verse 19 the writer says wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than 10 rulers who are in the city listen when we're going through these difficult times we've said this already this is a time when we need to be seeking after wisdom make wisdom your goal 
We all know we have a tendency to strive after all kinds of things, especially material things, money, career, pleasures. And that's how Solomon had lived much of his life. But, but when those things become our goal, we make the wrong choices and we allow the negative, negative things that happen in our lives, the difficult things, to put us into a tailspin. But wisdom, on the other hand, the, the ability to discern what's happening around us and to make good and godly decisions brings great benefit both for the present and for eternity. The, the writer of Proverbs says, do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Proverbs 8, for wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare to her. In Proverbs 19, he who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who cherishes understanding prospers. And so I just want to tell us tonight, listen, as we, as we face the challenges of life, again, we need to be looking to God for wisdom because wisdom will protect us. Godly wisdom will help us through the times that, that we face. It will keep us from making rash decisions and the harmful consequences that those decisions would bring up, upon our lives. And most of all, we pray to God for wisdom. We look into his word for wisdom. Amen. We look to him. We don't listen. We, we don't go to, to, the, to the newscast. We don't go to the newspapers. We don't go to the, the podcast for our wisdom. We go right here. We pray, God, God, give me your wisdom. Show me how I need to react and, and, and decide and live my life in the midst of all that's taking place. And finally, this morning, this evening, excuse me, Verses 13 and 14 say this, consider the work of God who can make straight what he has made for who can make straight what he has made crooked in the day of prosperity. Be joyful in the day of adversity. Consider God has made the one as well as the other so that man will not find out anything that will be after him. In other words, be content, whatever your situation. Be content. But the point of the proverb that we just read is that there are certain things in life that we cannot control, right? Many times we're facing situations we cannot fix. And most of all, we cannot control the future. We would like to do that, wouldn't we? We would love to be able to control the future, but we can't. And we all know it well. One twist, one turn, one sickness, one loss of a job, a flood, an earthquake, a pandemic, a downturn in the stock market, and, and so forth. And all of our plans are turned upside down. That's why the Apostle James wrote, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city and spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Well, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say... And it's a good way for us to speak, right? If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. If it is the Lord's will. Would you say that with me? If it is the Lord's will. And if we're content only when life is going well, we'll find ourselves living much of our lives very discontent. For our life is never one of ease. There will always be challenges that come our way. And that's why the Bible tells us, especially the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 4, he says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I know I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, for I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Wow. I don't know how many of us can really say what the Apostle Paul writes there. I've learned to be content. 
this past year, the past two years, have really been a test of our like level of contentment, we might say, right? A real test for us. But the, the Apostle Paul and here in the book of Ecclesiastes is challenging us that when life becomes tough, not to begin to complain, not to begin to see everything from a negative perspective, but instead, as the Bible calls us, to be thankful and to be content, to look to God, knowing we'll never be able to fix it all, but we have a God who is with us, a God who's able to take care of us, a God who's able to help us through every situation, every challenge we face. Amen? Be content, whatever your situation. Whatever happens in 2022, let's be a people who know what it means to live with contentment. And so none of us knows, can you come, thank you, none of us knows what 2022 will hold. God willing, there will be many good times, many joys to be experienced. And we all know, even through these past couple of years, through the pandemic and so forth, I mean, there's been good things that have happened, right? right? Kim and I became grandparents in the middle of it all. We, we had a daughter who got married in the middle of it all, right? right? We experienced blessings from God in the middle of it all, right? There are many joys. But those joys are always mixed with difficulties, with tough times. And there will most likely be good times in the year to come, as well as difficult times, tough times for our world, tough times for the church, tough times for our families, tough times for our lives individually. And to navigate through those tough times, we will need God's help, and we will need God's wisdom. And so I want to encourage us tonight, as we step into this new year, to seek after wisdom, to ask for God's wisdom, to apply God's wisdom, the wisdom of Scripture to our lives. And as we prepare ourselves for this coming year, as in a moment we're going to receive the elements of the Lord's table, I want us to recognize that we have a Savior, Jesus who knew what it meant not just to live a, a, a happy life, a living on the mountaintops all the time, but Jesus himself went through some deep valleys, did he not? He found himself in those desert places. He found himself in those tough times. And yet through it all, he knew what it meant to look to God, his Father in heaven. In the midst of it all, he knew what it meant to live his life in obedience to God, his heavenly Father, and thus remained sinless and thus became for us the spotless Lamb of God. He knew what it meant to live the way he had been called to live. And so tonight, we look to Jesus as we're about to step into this new year and we're saying, God, I need wisdom. God, how am I supposed to live? What am I supposed to do? Listen, more than anything else, I want to call us to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And as we do, we ask him for his help, and we follow his example. We look to him for grace and for mercy and for his wisdom to be poured out into our lives. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2 say this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus, the founder, the author, and perfecter or finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and today is seated at the right hand 
of the throne of God. And so tonight, as we embark on a new year, we look to Jesus. Amen, church? Come on, we look to Jesus. So whether you're in the sanctuary here tonight, you're online with us this evening, I want to encourage you to look to Him, to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? I'm going to ask the worship team to come and prepare to lead us here in a moment. Just take a moment right now. Just take a moment and begin to pray. Maybe just speak to God for a few moments. And say, Lord, as I step into this new year, Lord Jesus, I look to you. I look to you for your help, for your strength, for your grace and for your mercy. And most of all, I look to you tonight for your wisdom to be poured out into my life. That I would be the person you would need me to be. That I would learn what you would have me to learn. That I would live the way you would have me to live. Lord, we look to you tonight. Father, as we look towards this new year, we don't know what the year itself will hold for any of us. We're just pretty sure it's going to be a mix of some good things, blessings from your hand, and maybe some difficult things that we'll have to face. But we thank you that you're a God who's always with us. You've promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. And then when we need wisdom, to discern how to live and what to do and how to react and so forth, that we can look to you and you're a God who gives generously to those, to those who are in need. And we thank you for Jesus, our Savior, who has made available to us all that you've promised to us. We thank you for Jesus, for his work on the cross the life that he brings to us so that even when we're going through difficult times, we go through them filled with hope, filled with hope, looking ahead to the joy that's before us, even as Jesus looked beyond the cross to the joy set before him, so too we're, we are able to look beyond the difficulties of life. We look towards the joy that you have for us as we serve you as we live for you, knowing that you'll be faithful to take us through. So we love you tonight. We love you tonight. We just say, Jesus, we need you. We need you. We need you. We need you tonight.
on, just lift your hands to the Lord. Say, Jesus, I need you more. God, I need you more than ever before. Oh, we need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Hallelujah.
that's our statement of faith and our prayer to him that Jesus, Jesus, I trust you. Amen. Amen. We trust you. Know for grace to trust him more. As we take our communion um, packets that we've received, just going back to Hebrews chapter 12. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Aren't you glad he endured the cross? Amen. Why? For you and me. Because he saw our salvation on the other side of the cross. He saw the blessings of God on the other side of the cross and the hope that he would bring to us as the people of God. Would you take your packet there on the one side? It has the bread there. You can pull back the foil. We'll take that bread. We're reminded of the Lord's words that he he took the bread, and when he had blessed it, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, This is my body, broken for you. He said, Do this, eat this in remembrance of me. And so looking to Jesus, let us eat the bread together. to expose the, the juice that's there. We hear the Lord's words once again that this cup is the blood of the new covenant. The new covenant. So whenever you drink this, drink this in remembrance of me. And so looking to Jesus tonight, we drink this cup with great thanksgiving. Let us drink it together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, just lift your hands, lift your voices in praise tonight. Looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the source of our salvation, the source of our joy and our peace and, and all wisdom. We look to Jesus tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, worship him tonight. Thank him tonight for his grace, his mercy at work in our lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless you, Jesus. We magnify you, Jesus. Jesus, there's no one like you. You are the rock of our salvation. You're the rock of our salvation. You're the fount of living water. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, we look to you tonight. Jesus, we look to you tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. How I trust Him, how I prove Him more and more. 
Aren't you thankful that he has promised to be with us every step of the way? He's promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. And so as we step into a new year in just a few hours, we step into that year filled with faith and confidence that we have a Savior who will always be with us. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us here tonight. We look forward to being back together Sunday morning at 10 o'clock a.m., the ministry of the women from the Hoving Home. Again, if you brought an offering with you, your last opportunity to give in, in 2021 tonight, you can drop that offering off on your way out. So let me just pray a prayer of blessing over us tonight. And so, Lord, as we go from this place, may we go with your hand resting upon us. And Lord, I pray as we step into a new year that we are gathered, those online, our congregation as a whole, family and friends connected with us. God, that we would know that you're with us as we look to Jesus each step of the way. Bless your people, I pray. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Love it.